0: Welcome to the fire the family podcast. Did you know the average American is behind on their retirement savings? Imagine if your family could learn to budget, save and invest enough to become financially independent. I'm here to show you through my own experience exactly how you can get on the path to financial independence and reach retirement on or before the age of 65. From age 19 to 28, Kayla and I have been married for nine years, had three boys, and earned four degrees combined with no student loan debt, and have taken our household income from zero to over $130,000 a year. We both want to invite you to FireTheFamily.com, where we have free tools and resources that you can use to get started on your financial independence journey. Now, let's get into the episode. Hey, welcome to episode 14 of the Fire the Family podcast. I want to thank you so much for... Uh, spending the time here with me today. I hope you like the new introduction. Uh, That's a new development. I actually got a new uh, mic setup and um, can stop using the iPhone headphones microphone. It's a funny story. Uh, I used to have a YouTube channel and talked about it in past episodes and I had probably $1,500, $2,000 worth of gear for recording from cameras to the computer to um, the microphone to the lighting and just everything that goes into that. And I got rid of it all when I got rid of the, the channel I sold it all off on Craigslist and stuff. And um, it's funny, here I am again, um, buying a new equipment for a podcast. So uh, kind of funny how things work out. Uh, you know that you enjoy doing something when you come back to it many years later and are going a different direction, but uh, still getting a lot of satisfaction out of uh, the creating of the content. So today we're going to talk about the best method for achieving financial independence uh, for for the fire movement. If you're familiar with the fire movement, great. If not, it's financial independence, retire early, and the idea is that we all need to we all need to retire someday. That means financial independence. We all need to reach that 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 benchmark, that watermark, uh, is the goal for everybody at some point because there will be a point in your life where. Uh, you, you can no longer work. You can no longer earn a W-2 income. So you have a few options. You can be kind of self-retired where you invested during your life, uh, typically in like a 401k um, or some other type of retirement account. And you get to the point where you have a large nest egg that you can pay yourself a, uh, a salary each year, essentially, in retirement. Uh, The other way is to depend on the government, which largely uh, the people that are pulling Social Security today are not, I think they're getting an average of like 1,700 bucks a month is like the average Social Security payment, and that's just not enough. Um, so we need to do things early in our life uh, to make it easy on us and less, you know, we need, we'll need to sacrifice less um, if we start early enough. And so what I've done is I've created a framework um, that I've put together called the BEST method. And that stands for B-E-S-T, BEST. And the acronym is Budget, Emergency Fund, Savings Rate. Total stock market. And we'll dig into that a little bit here in a minute, Um, but I want to touch on kind of why I've done this and um, why I'm so excited about it. Uh, There's a lot of people out there uh, writing uh, in the financial independence uh, personal finance community. And what I found um, over the last 10 plus years um, researching this stuff and and just reading it every day is that the majority of writers out there um, treat it as a journal. And the rest are basically news outlets, and they kind of post whatever, and uh, a lot of times don't, well, most of the time don't take a stance one way or another, and they'll just kind of skim the headlines and and make clickbait titles, and they're about 300-word articles, and you don't get any value out of it. And so both of those things combine to make up what I would assume probably 95% of the personal finance uh, content creators out there, and very few actually dig into it and uh, plant a flag and represent a specific method or methodology or um, kind of recipe for success. Um, and that's really what I want to do. I don't want to just um, talk about anything and everything. I want to really put my flag in the ground and um, let you know what I stand for and what I think is the most important, based on my own life experiences, my own research, uh, my education, and um, kind of everything everything considered. So um, that's kind of why I've I've done this, and it, I'm I'm writing a book. So um, I plan on um, releasing that um, probably early to mid 2020. And that's going to be a really big part of this. And um, this best method is going to be kind of intertwined within that as well. So you're getting kind of a sneak peek uh, into what to expect. And of course, you can um, pre-register for that on my website, firethefamily.com. And all you got to do is give me your email address so I know who to send it to, but I will provide you with a free uh, coupon to download it from the Amazon store once it's uh, published. Uh, kind of a way to thank you for your your support. So let's dig right into it. The best method, uh, budget, emergency fund, savings rate, total stock market. Um, and we're going to just go down the list here and talk a little bit about each one of those things. And it's really hard to dispute this once you know it, um, once you've been told, uh, when someone's told you about it, because um, you really can't dispute the fact that uh, you should control your money, you should save for emergencies, You should increase your savings rate, and you should invest in the stock market. And those four things are really hard to dispute in the personal finance community. And the one thing a lot of people don't touch on is savings rate, and that's uh, that's the idea of increasing your income and decreasing your expenses, which are equally important. Um, I think actually, I think increasing your income is more important um, as as we'll get into here in a little bit. Um, But uh, a lot of times you only hear about the decreasing of expenses. And I think that you need to talk about both of them and probably put a little more weight behind increasing your income. Uh, But if you do those four things, if you make those four life choices, you're greatly going to increase your chance or your potential to reach financial independence uh, someday in the future. And the more aggressive you are, the sooner you can reach that number and potentially you know, do what we call retiring early. And that's not to say that you're going to want to quit the workforce, but what that means is you're no longer going to be dependent on a W-2 income. Your decisions aren't going to be made out of fear, um, and you can take opportunities as they pre- present themselves uh, for reasons other than just monetary. And uh, that's something that excites a lot of people in the, the personal finance community and myself. So budgeting, let's do the first one of the acronym here, B for budgeting. You need a budget and that's the name of a popular budget app too. So um, we use the Dave Ramsey, every dollar budget app. But um, I think that no matter what you do, no matter if you're interested in financial independence, no matter if you want to retire early or at the traditional retirement age of 65, um, you need a budget. Uh, How do you expect to learn about your money? Your money habits and your spouse's money habits. If you don't track it, so some some form, uh, I believe everybody needs to have a budget. It's responsible. Uh, you're running a business. Your household is a business, no matter what anybody has to say. Um, but you need to know your income. You need to know your expenses, and uh, ultimately what your what your spending your, your time on, because you're spending an awful lot of time working for that money. And I'd hate to see that go to waste and leak out via subscriptions, debt, and uh, other streams of, of outflow. So you'll, you'll probably hear a lot of people talk about multiple streams of income. That's something that not everybody has. And it's actually, you know, a little bit of work to get set up. But what everybody does have is multiple streams of outflow and that's dangerous and that's why we end up in such you know deep debt as a society and um, don't have any money at the end of the day when it comes time to retire And a budget's less about control and sacrifice it's really more about just running a quality household um, built on a strong financial foundation um, having completed my mba and currently managing over 200 business contracts in my day job um, I think I have a pretty good grasp on the importance of this and just why it's so important. I, I've talked to customers all day long um, that have budget issues that um, you know have trouble trying to justify spending money in, on our product. And the reality is, is it's, you, it's a product that you absolutely have to have as a business. And whether or not you have the money to spend on it or not is, is kind of your own, your own problem. And so, uh, relaying relating that to my life or, or your life would be uh, similar to um, you knowing that you need to do certain things, but you can't because you can't afford it. And in reality, you're spending money on a lot of frivolous uh, things. So, I kind of took a tangent there, but um, it, hopefully that makes sense. So, the idea of budgeting is really to just spend less than you earn. Um, so, if you can set that, you know, mark where, hey, I earn this much, let's say it's $4,000 a month. Um, after taxes and everything, that's the money that hits your bank account. Um, you can then look at that and say, hey, how much am I spending? Am I spending 4500 Because that's not sustainable. I'm spending more money than I'm making. Am I spending 3500 Great. Now you have a surplus to uh, make investments with and to set yourself up for a financial future. Like I said, Kayla and I like to use the Every Dollar Budget app um, that Dave Ramsey provides or that he makes. And there's a fee to it, an annual fee, but that thing's made us thousands of dollars. And I'm not an affiliate by it, uh, by any means, but it's uh, the one app that we've both really enjoyed using. And uh, we've stuck with it over the last couple of years. And like I said, it's saved us a ton of money by just being able to track our, our, expenses, our expenses, our income, our. Um, uh, transactions. And uh, it's just been super, uh, super family friendly for how we like to use it. So here's an idea of micro budgeting. So uh, a lot of people just dig down into it. And that's what the every dollar budget is knowing exactly how much you make and exactly how much you're spending. And I like to call that micro budgeting. Um, and that's really having your budget under a microscope. The other idea is macro budgeting. And that's really looking at your total budget for the year, basically how much you plan on earning. And I like to use numbers from the previous year. Um, so, how much is your household going to earn, um, pre-tax,es post-taxes, however you like to do it. And then, how much are you going to spend? Obviously, if you do pre-tax income, uh, you want to uh, you want to you know account for that when you're doing your expenses. You want to put your tax that you're planning to pay uh, throughout the year as an expense. So, I like to just do my take-home pay and then add that to my wife's take-home pay. And then that's basically our household budget of money that we actually have to spend. Um, And we do that and um, obviously account for contributions that go into our 401k or retirement accounts. And then we know how much money we have to work with this next year. And we can take our budget from the last year, average it out, and then overlay that. And then we have a macro budget. We have kind of the whole year in a nutshell. And then we can say, oh, hey, looks uh, looks like after we make all of our investments, we're going to have $10,000 left over at the end of the year. Um, so then we can plan, okay, let's do a summer vacation. Um, last year that cost us this much money. Let's say it cost us $1,000. Okay, great. We have $9,000 left to spend. Um, let's get new floors this year. We want to get new floors for our, our house. Okay, that's about $4,000. So now we have, do the math, we have th- uh, uh, $5,000 left. And then see how it works, you can just kind of make those decisions. Not that it's set in stone or that those are exact numbers, but you have a good idea that you can still do those things. Um, you can still make those decisions uh, in the upcoming year. And this is the perfect time of year for that because we are going into 2020 and it's the time of, of New Year's resolutions. It's the time of goals, and, and everybody gets excited about that. I get excited about the sun. The uh, sun starts coming out again. It starts getting warmer, and uh, we can we can come out of our shell a little bit from the winter. So that was B for budgeting. Next is E, emergency fund. Uh, an emergency fund is super important. You should self-insure yourself against potential emergencies, um, catastrophic events that may require hundreds to thousands of dollars. Uh, Most experts, most gurus out there will tell you that um, you need at least six months, uh, 12 months plus of Emergency fund expenses set aside, um, and it, you really just have to do what works best for you. So in my example, Kayla and I prefer to keep about ten thousand dollars in a high yield savings account for emergencies, and that's because we've in ten years never come across an emergency that was more than that, um, even more than than a quarter of that really, and that protects us against you know having a tire blowout, needing to get new tires, having to replace brakes. Having to replace a water heater, um, even up to an HVAC system, that's probably pretty close to what uh, an HVAC system costs. Um, haven't really done the shopping on that one, but um, everything aside from really needing an entire new roof, and I think that's even that $10,000 even covers that. Um, and that is to say that we do also have access to other assets that we can pull from, and our total net worth is uh, enough for us to feel comfortable with having about $10,000 uh, in our savings account. Now, that savings account is a high-yield savings account, and that means that it earns an interest. And the bank that we're in right now with Ally, um, it started at like 2.2% when we started with them, and now it's down to like 1.5%, and based on interest rates. Um, and that, That's a rate that fluctuates, but it's a lot more than what you'd get out of a regular like savings account um, with a normal bank or credit union. And so that, while your money's not going to grow a lot, the money in that account isn't meant to... Uh, to grow a lot, it's meant to um, protect you. It's meant to be there and um, be the, be that rock for you uh, to sleep at night. To know that if an expense comes out of nowhere, that you can cover it. And um, the other thing I want to touch on is is that our income uh, is such that we have a high cash flow rate. So we, our savings rate, I should say, each month. And so we cov- We have enough. We make enough money that um, and, and uh, have a low enough expenses that we, um, we can save enough money each month to really cover um, that emergency anyways um, in one go. And so for us, $10,000 is a good amount to have. Um, and that, that sometimes goes up a little bit higher than that. Um, but that's that's where we're the most comfortable. And that isn't my advice to you. Um, you do you basically. <laughs> um, it is smart advice to have six to 12 months of, of expenses set aside in cash. But with Kayla and I, we're extremely aggressive on our investments and what we're trying to do. And, um, we've, we've been okay thus far, um, doing that. And so we try to put as much money that we have, uh, to work in the stock market as possible. Um, and that's something that we're going to continue uh, to do. Uh, let's see. Um, you know, what counts as an emergency? That's a big question too, is, is, um, is, tires. If you if you have, you know, if you take your, here's a good one that always happens to me. I take my car in to the tire store to have the tires rotated. And then they call me about 45 minutes later telling me that I need new shock struts. Okay, great. How many? Um, well, you should do all four. Um, how many do I need to do? <laughs> you need to do at least the front two. Okay, great. Let's do the front two. Now I'll do the back two. And at another time, well, it's still like $500, right? And then um, they're going to do an alignment and all that. Um, so that happens a lot. And to me, that, that counts as an emergency, because it was um, a high amount of money that I wasn't wasn't expecting to spend. And if I don't spend it, it kind of puts my car in an unsafe situation or could cause more you know damage down the road. Um, it, needing new floors. Is that an emergency? No. No, needing a new floors, needing a new video game system is not an emergency. Um, so really it's up to you to weigh what you would consider an emergency, but what a lot of people do is they have the money in the bank they say, Hey, I need some new clothes. Let's go drop 500 bucks on some clothes. And now you have less money in the bank for emergencies. And that's really a bad habit to get into. Um, do I think you should put that on a credit card instead? No, that's, that's another thing too, is, is, um, a lot of people like to use the credit cards as an emergency fund or kind of just a fund. Um, and I don't, I don't think you should be using credit cards at all, honestly, unless um, you do something similar to w- what we like to do. If we have a big purchase coming up, like let's say the floors, we'll probably put that on our credit card to earn the airline miles. And then we'll just pay it off as soon as it posts um, to, as to not have to pay the, uh, the high interest rates. Uh, but if you don't have a good enough discipline, that might not be a great practice for you. So now we're on the savings rate. S is for savings rate. Your savings rate is the difference between your income and expenses. It's the amount of money that you're able to save each month divided by your income. For example, if you earn $4,000 per month and your expenses total $3,500 per month, then your savings rate is about 12.5%. Um, the rule of thumb with traditional retirement is to save 10 to 15% of your income, and that's what Dave Ramsey talks about. And uh, if you want to retire sooner then you're going to have to up that. You're going to have to up that savings rate. And it's the thing is, is that you're not just saving it. That should be it should be called investing rate. Right? It's the amount of money that you need to put in the stock market. Um, and you'll find people in the FIRE community, the financial independence retire early community, will be upwards of you know, 20, 30, 40, sometimes over 50% of your income. Um, Kale and I hover right now about 25, 30% of our income, depending on my my income for the month, because I am 50/50 commission and salary, and so my income fluctuates anywhere from 500 to 1,000 dollars a month, and sometimes um, up a little bit more, but it doesn't typically it doesn't typically fluctuate down too much. I have a pretty steady uh, kind of bottom line of my income. And so some months we're saving 20, 25%, some months we're saving 30, 35%. We're also paying for daycare. That's counting daycare too, which, which daycare is more than our mortgage. And it's about 20,000, $21,000 a year that we're spending on two kids to go to daycare. And that's for about another two and a half years. And then that will be gone. So when that happens, we will be forty to fifty percent uh, savings rate, which I'm super excited for. And I think um, I think right now we're setting ourselves up for um, just a really a really uh, great next decade um, through 2020 to 2030. Uh, so you really have two primary levers with your savings rate that you can adjust: one, decreasing your income or increasing your income; two, decreasing your expenses. Um, by pulling both of those levers simultaneously, you can you know make a lot of make up a lot of ground. Um, and I like to say that you have an income problem. So a lot of people want to talk about a spending problem and a saving problem. But the real problem, the big problem, in my opinion, is an income problem. And that's just people that settle people that uh, work for low, low wage, um, that don't have any desire to try to get out of that and try to increase their income. There's so many ways to increase your income, not just talking side hustles and that kind of stuff. But um, just by by doing simple things like getting um, working towards a promotion or getting a different job that will pay you more. Typically, when you jump to a new job, uh, you'll get paid a little bit higher than what you were getting paid at. Um, Getting a second job, having a working spouse, learning a valuable skill via trade school, military, college, starting an internet business uh, like this one, uh, creating content on YouTube or other platforms. That takes a while, but uh, ultimately you can earn some money on that. And then like side gig apps um, are useful, like Uber Eats, Wag, DoorDash, that kind of stuff. Um, You know, there are ways kind of there's a way for you is what I should say. I used I always joke that um, people that don't like beer just haven't found the beer that's right for them because there is a beer for everybody. And um, I like, you know, craft IPA type um, type beers. And, uh, when I hear somebody say, I hate beer, it's like, well, well, you probably haven't had the right one yet. No, it's right for you. And I feel the same way. There's a million ways to make a buck and, uh, you just have to find the one that works best for you. If you don't like people, um, if you don't, you know, if for some reason you can't work at a desk job, um, go, tell business, go to a shopping center and tell each business that, you know, you'll pick up all the trash out in their parking lot for um, a monthly fee. And you'll make sure that every night that there's no trash in their parking lot, you get enough businesses on board in one, you know, one local area where you can park and kind of walk around and do that. You can make thousands of dollars a month. There's a guy that sells a course on it online. It's actually pretty awesome. Um, I haven't taken the course, but I've seen what he's doing. It's really popular. Um, And I mean, there's so many ways that you can that you can do it. Kayla and I, for example, we took our income from zero dollars of taxable income uh, when I got out of the military and returned to college, and um, we were getting you know income from the GI Bill. And um, financial aid, uh, but we had zero dollars taxable income, and I, and I worked. Um, I worked for the state, um, helping veterans uh, transition from military to college, and I got a housing stipend for that. So we did make we did make some money, but it was zero. We had a zero taxable income. Um, to uh, basically, I, I went from that to seventy thousand dollars at twenty eight, um, and all that I you know was going back to. I didn't graduate school until I was twenty six, um, and so twenty six, twenty seven. So no, yeah, I was twenty six, um, and so it went from zero to seven. Seventy thousand dollars in like two years. Um, the first year out of college, I made forty-two thousand. Second year out of college, I've made seventy, which is this year. And um, when I was in the military, I was making like $23,0 was the highest I ever made, not counting housing and total benefits. Um, and then my wife went from making about a thousand dollars a month uh, teaching preschool and running a preschool uh, as a director to working full time as a kindergarten teacher this year, and she's on track for about fifty-five. Um, this year. And so combined, we're well over $130,000 before tax. And I think that that's only going to keep increasing as I haven't quite hit my upper uh, ceiling yet on my job. So how did I do that um, You know, in such a short amount of time out of college? Uh, really, it was just because I earned two promotions at my job. I went from being a cold caller, making cold calls, about 60, 70 calls a day, and um, calling on businesses, to making it onto the sales team uh, as a transactional sales rep, which was kind of the entry level into the sales team. And then went from that to being an account manager, uh, where I've been there for about 10 months now, nine, 10 months. And um, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Uh, I've been to the company for about two years total. And uh, that's, that's how that happened. Uh, during that time, I got my MBA. Um, did it through an online school, an accredited online MBA program. And uh, so I was doing a lot. Um, while, and then I started building this website in like May, June. And I started posting content to it in July. And I've just been writing my face off. It's been awesome. Um, so I've always got a couple irons in the fire and this is how I've chosen to increase my income. So it works well for me. I enjoy creating content and uh, talking to you and you know, uh, hopefully providing some value and some insight into the things that you can do uh, to make your life a little bit better. Um, so the other thing is, uh, you, you know, the one lever was income. The other lever is uh, spending or expenses. So quick ways to reduce your spending expenses. I'm not going to get too much into this because this is what everybody talks about. You know, you'll, you'll listen to Dave Ramsey for 15 minutes and you'll, you'll get an earful. Um, so here's some quick ways. Cancel subscriptions, get out of debt, stop taking on new debt, reduce your restaurant frequency learn to cook. Uh, use grocery kickback apps like Ibotta. Kayla, my wife has made about $256 this year so far or in the last six months. She's made over $500 this year in kickbacks uh, from grocery shopping using Ibotta. And um, we buy groceries in bulk through Costco. Um, well, not groceries. Well, some groceries, toiletries, meat, um, some things like that that we go through in the house. And then stop going out to the mall, to the stores. Uh, stop going on Amazon. People use that as entertainment. Find a better form of entertainment than shopping. You do those things, you'll reduce your expenses. You'll reduce your spending, and that will probably save you 200 to 500 dollars a month. And um, that's pretty much where most people, I think, um, have a lot of room to cut. And uh, if you do that, you can definitely, definitely make up some, some headroom um, while increasing your income. Increasing your income takes a little longer. It's not as easy. It's not as quick. Um, So I would, I would recommend getting your expenses uh, taken down as fast as possible. Get that quick win and then uh, start working on your income. Do what it need. do what you need to do to get uh, your income to a place where you're earning more each month. And just don't be afraid to take that leap. Uh, there's tons of jobs out there. There's tons of work and in, in almost every industry grew uh, this last year, except for I think mining and logging. Logging was one of the few that didn't grow. Uh, my voice is starting to crack. It's kind of funny. Um, practice minimalism, not materialism. I think you should practice both so you get a feel for buying those fancy items and what they, they don't bring to you. You think they're going to bring you joy? They won't. Um, Once you get that under your belt and experience that a few times, then you're on the path to minimalism and you can stop surrounding yourself with stuff and stop suffocating yourself with having having to have the nicest of the nice. So once you get that under control, you can move on to the final part of the acronym. T for total stock market. And the idea here is to invest in the stock market. Um, It doesn't have to be a total stock market fund like what I talk about, VTSAX, the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund. That's the one I would recommend. That's the one I invest in. Um, I invest in other things as well. Um, but that is um, a really good one to, to learn about and to learn the ins and outs of, and, and to get started investing. And the reason I say total stock market, you can also invest in the S and P 500 specifically, um, which is a collection of the 500, um, companies listed on, um, the, the S and P 500 stock exchange or, um, it's an index that tracks those 500 companies. And it's been around for 62 years and has like 26 trillion in the market cap. Um, over time, if you just Google S and P 500 on Google, I'll show you a chart. And over time, it's may it's went from zero. Zero dollars to over three thousand dollars, and that's when you hear the president, President Trump, right now talking about um, the you know greatest stock market of all time, you know best best bull run we've ever had. Um, You'll see that chart; it will make a lot of sense to you. And investing in that is is it's what everybody says. You know all the all the big wigs, all the Warren Buffetts of the world. um, They typically always say, if I were to do it over again and could only pick one thing to invest in, it would be the total stock market. And that's because that's made up of over thirty five hundred individuals individual companies that you're getting exposure to. That's something you would never be able to do on your own, um, just being an individual investor. Um, and so for a lower price like VTSAX, um, in the, you know, less than a hundred dollars a share, you're able to own exposure to all those companies and reap that reward of diversification, automation, and, um, Uh, rarely do people outperform the market. So you'll get fund managers that think they can outperform the market. And I think less than 8% of actively managed mutual funds actually outperform the market on the long term, And so that's something that is, it's, it's so easy to do. It's ridiculous. So learn about that, learn about the total stock market and what it means and how to invest in it. I recommend VTSAX. um, But like I said, there's a lot of others out there. Uh, compound interest is the goal. Uh, you want to set yourself up to put enough money in your account to earn interest on your interest. And that's what compound interest is. So a 7% uh, return on investment probably doesn't sound like much, especially when you're just getting started. But as you contribute consistently over time, that 7% has a huge effect. Um, I have a picture on my website on this blog post. If you uh, take a look at it, if you contribute $1,200 a year, um, to your investments, right? Um, over 30 years, earning 7%, that future value is $121,000. Okay, so that's that's as easy as $100 a month, um, and that just shows you what compound interest does. Um, it has a huge effect over time, and the longer it's invested, and the more money in that account, um, the 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 greater that that reward is going to be. And that, a lot of people joke that that's you know. That's a more as important or more important than gravity itself. And um, it's a huge thing. And, and I really recommend that you learn more about compound interests. It's what we need to teach our youth. We really need to t- teach them a lot about what that means and how it works. Uh, Low investing fees. So that's the other thing too with uh, something like VTSAX is your fees are well below 1%. If you have a financial planner, they're going to charge you like 1% to 3% to manage your money. They're going to invest you in mutual funds that have high expense rates. You're going to be giving a good amount of your money over to fees um, and uh, minimums. And with something like VTSAX, uh, your expense ratio is 0.04%, almost nothing. And it's because it's kind of an auto automatically managed. There isn't a fund manager that makes decisions. It doesn't rebalance. You're just buying the entire stock market. It's pretty awesome. Um, So moving on from that, I mean, I've kind of talked about the whole thing. Um, The best acronym, uh, the best method for achieving financial independence, retire early, um, budget, emergency fund savings rate, total stock market. Obviously, I'd love to hear your feedback, what you think about this. If it's memorable to you, is this something that you uh, believe in? Do you trust me that this is the way uh, to reach retirement someday? Um, is this uh, something that you've implemented? How far along are you? It's definitely not like a baby steps. You don't have to do one, two, three, four four things, uh, one after another. Um, you can definitely put your emergency fund in place. You can get a budget in place and then start looking at your savings rate and how much you can actually invest in the total stock market. And the rest is just, just being consistent and giving it time and doing the same thing, executing it each month, every day, every year, uh, every week and um, just going the path, just walking the path. And once you're on that path, it's like, okay, cool. I've got everything going. It's all kind of automated. And I make money at my job. That money goes to my paycheck. And out of my paycheck comes money into my 401k. My employer has a 401k match. So there's some money there. And then my wife's paycheck goes into her retirement account. And then what's left comes into our bank. And then from there, we have this much money uh, that we, we have coming in. We have this much in expenses. And then we might have a little bit left over after that. Maybe we invested in a Roth IRA, which you can invest up to $6,000 a a year in, or maybe we use it for future purchases that we have. And you really just start having that conversation. Uh, So on the website, firethefamily.com, I've got a bunch of tools and resources for you. Uh, They're free. They don't require anything. You can just go on there and check them out and download the PDFs. Um, there's a FIRE calculator. It's an Excel Excel calculator you can use uh, to really you know work the numbers and see if you're on track or not to get uh, to a, a place where you could uh, become financially independent. I have a FIRE flow chart. That flow chart allows you to kind of see what's coming up, things to think about, questions to ask, and where you're at uh, along this journey. Uh, Money marriage checklist it's a list of topics that you can uh, talk to your spouse about and you should talk to your spouse about, probably before getting married. But if you haven't yet, then it's a great third party authority to um, to lean on rather than saying, like, you know, hey, honey, I want to talk about these things and then just kind of winging it. It's great to have those talking points and you can say, hey, you know, Nick and his wife talk about this stuff. And it's really helped them a lot. Um, I'd like to see, you know, if we can talk about some of these things things too. Uh, and then a goal worksheet on there. It's really simple. You can just write down your goals for the upcoming year. Uh, you fold it up, put it in your file cabinet, and then I'll remind you um, December 20, December 31st of next year, 2020, uh, to go back and grab that if you forgot about it and, and read that goal worksheet and see what you've accomplished. Um, in addition to that, I've signed up for my, for my ebook. I'll send you the code for that when that launches. Um, and other than that, you know, c- keep hanging out with me. Uh, go visit the website. Uh, come back for the next episode. Uh, leave me feedback on whatever app you happen to be listening to podcast on. It goes to Apple Music, it goes to Spotify, it goes to several different platforms. And I hope you like the new format. I hope the quality is um, improving. And I really hope to be bringing you uh, a good amount of value uh, for for your time. So thank you so much. I do appreciate you. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks.